Hello and welcome back to The Pisky Trap, a series where we explore the folklore, history and legends from across Devon and Cornwall. In this episode we're going to be looking at the area around Ilfracombe in North Devon and a place called Chambercombe Manor, which has quite a dark and a very colourful past. There's lots of different stories that surround it. This was somewhere that I have to say I hadn't really heard of until I started doing research for this project. But as soon as I started looking a little bit further into it, there was one particular story that really jumped out at me and I knew straight away that it was it was going to be worthy of its own episode. Those of you who've been listening to the series so far will be well aware that I'm fascinated by local ghost stories. And Chambercombe Manor is a great example because it's become well known as a haunted place. It's been featured in lots of different books, it's even been on TV shows like Most Haunted over the years, so it's garnered a bit of a reputation for itself. As usual though, what I really wanted to do was to try and get behind some of the folklore and the ghost stories and find out a little bit more about the manor's past to try and find the root of these stories. I also wanted to get an opinion from someone who knows the manor well and can maybe offer a bit of an insight So later on you'll hear extracts from a conversation I had with Leslie, who's worked at Chambercombe Manor for years and has stayed there overnight on a number of occasions and has her own stories to tell. Anyway, before I waffle on any further, allow me to introduce Chambercombe Manor. For those of you who haven't heard of it, Chambercombe Manor is situated on the outskirts of Ilfracombe, which is on the north coast of Devon. And it seems to have been there a long time, in one form or another. There's a long history of occupation on the site, apparently going back as far as the 11th century, and it's even mentioned in the Doomsday Book of 1086. At one point, it seems to have been owned by relatives of quite a key historical figure called Lady Jane Grey, Now, Lady Jane Grey is often called the Nine Days Queen. She was basically a rival claimant to the English throne, and eventually she was executed for treason at the Tower of London in 1554. Lady Jane is supposed to have stayed at the manor, and there's even a room which bears her name, supposedly the room where she once slept. The whole manor itself is steeped in lots of legends and folklore, And there's one particular story that's become quite famous over the years. And if you were to go and Google the manor, you'll almost certainly come across it. There's several different variations of the tale. And this is one of the factors that makes trying to pin down the truth behind it quite difficult. It all centres around this story that some years ago, a former owner of the manor was having some renovations done to the roof. And already there's some variations in this. Some sources say that the date of this renovation was the 1730s, others say it was in the 1860s or even in the 1880s, 
Whatever the exact date, at some point during the course of the work, they came across the outline of a window. Now, on closer inspection, it seemed that there was no known room in which that window could have been located. So the owner eventually decides he's going to break through the wall of the bedroom, which happens to be known as Lady Jane Grey's room, and in doing so, they discovered a secret chamber, which had been completely sealed up. Inside, they found an ornate bedstead, and lying on the bed was a skeleton, which was later found to be that of a young woman. Now, there's been lots of different theories and lots of different stories as to the identity of this woman, and that's something that we're going to be talking a little bit about later on. Associated with this secret room are tales of of footsteps and apparitions, as well as moans and groans that seem to come from that area. Visitors and staff have reported a wide range of different paranormal phenomena over the years. Two young girls in what's been described as Victorian clothing have been witnessed in some of the upstairs rooms, particularly a room called the Chippendale Room, where a girl is alleged to have died many years ago. And these girls seem so real that some visitors have been fooled into thinking that there were actual children who had dressed up and were effectively you know, costumed actors or reenactors. There's also said to be a cradle in one of the bedrooms that rocks by itself. If you take a look at the manor's website, they have a section on there where visitors can recount their different experiences. And these range from feeling a little bit dizzy or a bit disorientated to technical issues like phones not working, for example, and a few people have witnessed a girl wandering around in the grounds or sometimes sat on the stairs watching them. One woman even claims to have taken a photo that appears to show a figure standing by the fireplace. So, what's going on at Chambercombe Manor, and what are we to make of all these different stories? I want to begin by delving a little bit further into this story of the sealed-up room, because there's quite a few local legends surrounding that, and to do with the identity of the body that was found on the bed. This concept of the the secret room, or tales of people being walled up or bricked up, is, is surprisingly common in local folklore. And in fact, there's a story linked to Powderham Castle, which is not far from Exeter, where a woman was found walled up in one of the rooms. In Exeter itself, there's a a pub where there's a story of a monk and a nun who were having an affair, and as punishment they were both walled up. So it's a common theme. But here, there's quite an elaborate backstory to go along with it. And we do have evidence in the form of the secret room itself, which is still there and can be viewed by the public, so if you go to the manor, you can see it for yourself. As I said, there are different variations of the tale behind this room out there. I've opted for the most well-known, I would say, and the one that certainly crops up most often. And the tale centres around a former resident of the manor, a man named William Oatway. Now, it's hard to pin down exactly, but we think this may have been sometime in the 17th century. At this time, it seems that William was only able to rent the manor, but that he aspired to one day buy the property outright. William came from a family of well-known wreckers, 
people who were in the habit of basically luring ships onto the rocks and then stealing their cargo. And it's said that William ended up marrying a Spanish woman who'd been saved during one of these wrecking expeditions, and that in time the couple had a daughter that they named Catherine, or Kate. Some years later, as Kate grew up, she fell in love with an Irishman by the name of Wallace, who was the captain of a pirate ship. One day the couple left and got married, and eventually settled in Dublin. And so the years went by, until one day there was a great storm out at sea, and William went down to the shore to look for any signs of a ship in distress. There he came across a young woman who was lying badly injured, and whose face had been disfigured, having been dashed against the rocks. She was carried back to the manor, where she was tended to, but later died, presumably as a result of her injuries. Searching her body for any clues as to her identity, they found that she was wearing a money belt, which was filled to the brim with gold and jewels. It was a vast sum, perhaps even enough, that William might finally be able to buy the manor. When a shipping agent later called to inquire about a female passenger who had been reported missing, they were shown the passenger lists from the ship, and when the name was pointed out to them, the young woman's identity was finally revealed. She was Kate Wallace, William's own daughter, who it seems had been travelling back for a family visit. Knowing that if he revealed her body was in his house, he might be forced to give up the money as well, William chose instead to conceal the young woman's body in the room where she lay, and then had it sealed up. Ever since, the spirit of the unfortunate Kate has been said to haunt the manor. Footsteps have been heard, and low moaning sounds are said to emanate from the once sealed up room. A lady in a long white dress has also been seen wandering the grounds. Now, whether there's any truth to the story of Kate Wallace or whether it's all simply legend is, is hard to fathom. I think it's perhaps a story that evolved over time, combining some genuine incidents and maybe real events, and perhaps real people, into a story that serves as an explanation for why there might have been a sealed-up room that had a young woman's skeleton in it. And that in itself is, is quite macabre, and it's it's intriguing, and it poses lots of questions. With that in mind, I sat down a while back for a Zoom conversation with Leslie Simons, who works at the manor, just to get her thoughts on the stories about the manor and its dark past. We began by talking about this secret room, and also whether the manor might have been linked in some way to the history of smuggling and wrecking in the area and apologies in advance for some of the audio distortion on this recording. Behind that window lintel, there is a room that has been uh, blocked off with a wooden panel at, at some point. Right. And um, enough space has been left to go through there, so it has become a passageway. But it certainly was, yeah, it certainly was shut off for a very long time. And I think probably, maybe Victorian times... Um, somebody opened up a, a hole in, in this, this wood panelling so that you could see in. There's, very, there's nothing in there at all. It's just a horrible, spidery, derelict space. But uh, yeah. certainly it's not a room that has been used for centuries. You can tell that by the plaster and all kinds of things. 
And um, there was once a an underground passage that went from the manor. It went from under the big fireplace in the Great Hall. And it's said to have come out in a cave on the beach. It was filled in. The last part of it was filled in in the 1970s by the last owner. But um, we recently met someone who um, had a father in his late 90s who said he actually remembered when he stayed there going down the passageway and coming down at the beach. So maybe it is true. It's three quarters of a mile. It's It sounds quite far-fetched, but there certainly was an underground tunnel there at some point. That's amazing, because that's one of those things, mm. it's almost a common trope that you get that, you hear about priest holes and you hear about passages and things like that, but often there isn't the evidence for it. But it, from what you're saying, it definitely sounds like there was a passage of some sort that was blocked up. In, in fact, there are several in Ilfracombe. I mean, a few years ago, they discovered another one going from up the top of the hill down into the harbour when they were building a block of flats. And they're known as smugglers' passages, and I guess that's what they were used for. I mean, that makes sense, because I suppose if you've got um, things being um, either coming from elsewhere, say Ireland or Wales or things like that, or go, you're going around and then you're going off to, I don't know, Spain, France or whatever, like, it, it makes sense in terms of a drop-off point. Well, we're on the Bristol Channel, and up the top end is Bristol, obviously. And back in the 1600s, 1700s, there were literally ships coming in from all over the world laden with luxury goods. I mean... Um, and in some of the documentation, we read about 90-gallon kegs of brandy being smuggled. Very nice, too. Mm. Um, all kinds of things. But, of course, you had all this, this sea traffic coming up the Bristol Channel. No doubt deals were done. And also, of course, there were wreckings, and that's something else. Again. A lot more sinister. There's always been a bit of a, um, a speculation when it comes to the wrecking. I think everyone knows that, that smuggling definitely went on. But when it came to, comes to wreckings, how much of it was... Because it's easy to conjure up the Daphne du Maurier Jamaica Inn wrecking. But how much of it was um, opportunism for you kind of go, that's clearly a wreck. We might as well get in and loot that while we can. That certainly went on too. But the, I believe a ship called the London was wrecked off Heel Bay. Um, people would keep an eye on lo local shipping, I've always been told. And they would be aware in very bad weather. We do get enormous storms here. 40 and 50 foot waves at times wow. and people would be aware if a ship was in trouble for example and the men apparently would go out on the cliffs with their lanterns and try to lure them into the onto the rocks the idea being that people would think they were looking at the harbour lights and think oh there's the harbour we'll be safe in there but straight onto the rocks no i think i think working has certainly gone on here so it certainly seems plausible that the manor may well have been linked with wrecking and smuggling in the local area. And at one time there was certainly a blocked-off room, and by the sounds of it, potentially a secret passage too. I wanted to know a little bit more about some of the visitor experiences, because there's so many quotes and accounts on the website. Not just to do with the blocked-off room, but the accounts of these two girls as well. I wondered if there was any more to it. I also asked Leslie whether she believed the manor was haunted. I suppose the next logical thing to, to, to move on to talk about is kind of in relation to the legend, there are sort of ghost stories relating to that blocked up room and speculation about the sort of skeleton on the bed. Do you think personally, I mean, how much of it is people coming in, uh, visitors expecting the, the place to be haunted? And how much do you think it, it, it genuinely could be? 
I'm what you'd call a sceptical believer, if you like. Um, I've always believed in the paranormal because when I was a kid, I used to see things and uh, that's always been a part of me. Um, I'm right brain. And um, what I can say is that people have come to the manor either to work or as visitors, and they've had experiences that have convinced them that something else existed. My own son has never believed any of it. He's always thought I'm slightly, you know, woo-woo. And he worked at the manor for a few months one summer and down to all the experiences experiences he had, all the things that happened to him, he now says, yes, um, yes, I do believe there is something. Not sure what, but it did change his mind. And many people have said the same, including our manager's husband, who wasn't a believer when he first turned up at the manor, but now most definitely is because of all the things that have happened to him. Anybody who works there can tell you a hundred stories probably. I was having a look at, because you've got like a visitor thing where people can record their experiences on the website. And some of them uh, sort of mentioned like, uh, from what I can remember, like seeing seeing someone by the fireplace or often it, it mentions to like, like a girl or, or two girls or something. Does that, is that, that, is that another, that's another story altogether, I assume, that's, that's linked with the manor in some way, perhaps? The two girls, now this is the thing that really does kind of float my boat, if you like. Yeah, um, there are two little girls. They're called Ailey and Bella. There's absolutely no, nothing to prove they ever existed. But one of them is just seen constantly. I mean, not every day, but so many people see her. She shows up all over the place. Um, People always describe her as looking the same. I've seen her myself, actually, so this is why I'm, I'm so fascinated. And the story is that she died at the age of nine of consumption in what we call the Chippendale room. Now, and she's seen in there too. She's also seen looking out of the window. She's seen in the grounds. Um, She's even been seen up at the top of the lane. And I've been accused in the past of having a little girl wandering about the house all dressed up just to fool people. (laughs) Of course, they had actually seen, it was a a sceptic who had actually seen Ailey and she does appear as absolutely solid. So, what was your um, your experience when you when you have um, seen? Was it Ailey? Did you say Ailey? Yes, I'm not quite sure where that comes from. Um, I'd been with numerous people over the years who'd seen her, and um, I was always looking the other way or or whatever. Uh, one evening, it was September before last. I locked up the manor. Everyone had gone home. Uh, my last visitors had left and I locked up and uh, after I locked the gate, I stood there looking up at Ailey's bedroom window for a time and thinking, I wonder why I never see her. And she just suddenly appeared at the window. I could make out some detail. Uh, very pale little face, long dark hair. She was holding something in front of her. And um, after, I suppose, about a minute, she just... But... I know I saw that, and I was I was quite gobsmacked for about a week afterwards. Was it the case of the other staff were kind of like, oh, I've I've had a similar similar thing? Did it kind of correlate with the, the same sort of thing and same description that other people had seen as well? Oh yes, um, there are certain things that that happen over and over again, but there always seem to be new things, okay. um, like the smells we get. We're always getting ones we've never had before. It's it's a it, it's a weird. Yeah, that's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah. Do you almost keep a diary yeah. or a little record of all the, the, the little, I suppose, the incidents, incident book in a way? 
I don't personally. Um, we always leave notes for one another in the staff room if someone's working the next day. Hey, guess what happened today? Right. I mean, one interest, one thing you might be interested in here, we've got a very old cradle. Um, it's said to be Cromwellian. You know, I think it might be a little bit older, but um, this cradle rocks on its own. Not very often, but it does. And um, it also moves when we're out of the room. Not every day, it's just from time to time. We're always pulling it back into place. And um, my theory is that sometimes it just rocks so hard, it skitters across the floor. And my colleague opened up the house one morning, year before last, when we were last working, and found the cradle halfway into the fireplace, oh, that kind of thing. We don't know the history of the cradle, but there's something very, very strange about it. Awesome. Is there, are there any sort of theories? Has anyone ever theorised as to why that might be the, might be the case? Or It is in one of the most haunted rooms, uh, which sometimes has a really, really heavy atmosphere. I would imagine a lot of babies have been born and a lot of babies have died in there. You know, infant mortality and all that, you know, yeah. they did, didn't they? And um, there are also some... I don't know, some unpleasant stories about this particular room. Did anyone, has anyone um, ever tried to look into who the, um, the uh, can't the names you gave to the girls, the, who the, the two girls could be? You said that there's, there's probably no evidence of them on paper, uh, but has anyone tried to, to look into it in the past? She doesn't appear, well, Ailey doesn't appear, we think the other one was earlier, by the way, but um, Ailey doesn't appear on any of the censuses, but... The story goes that she stayed there with her aunt and she was very ill and, and died there. But um, my colleague and I have often wondered if she's buried in one of the local churchyards, which would be logical. And we've always meant to go and do the tour of the church, but we haven't got around to it yet. I hope we will one of these days. It does seem like there's quite a lot going on at Chambercombe Manor and on a fairly regular basis as well. And lots of different kinds of phenomena too, much more than the things that are simply written in the books and that you can find on the internet. I have to wonder how much of it is to do with the atmosphere of walking into a place like that that's so old and clearly has so many tales to tell after all these centuries. Does that make you instantly feel a certain way when you walk into the building? I have to wonder how much the visitors and staff have prior knowledge of any of these stories before they come to the manor, and whether that somehow kind of reflects on their experiences. That said, during our conversation, Leslie spoke about some more obscure phenomena and incidents that have occurred, which would be a lot harder to research beforehand. Um, another, another thing, we have a pair of um, uh, 17th century chairs that are said to be have a curse on them. Uh, we don't actually know what the curse might be, but um, we do have a photo um, taken by actually our trustee of a figure standing behind one of them. Um, there's also a very small haunted staircase where voices, whispering voices are heard and sometimes you get poked. Um, there's a wig cupboard that has a very sinister reputation. We don't actually know why, but sometimes that opens on its own. And we have doors that slam for absolutely no reason and sometimes fly open as well. As we were about to wrap up our conversation, Leslie mentioned to me an experience that she'd had one day at the manor, which was a standalone event in the middle of the day 
and that was seemingly unrelated to any of the usual recorded phenomenon at the manor. I'll just tell you one more thing before you go. I was in the manager's office one day, and we were talking, and I just happened to take a look at the CCTV uh, monitors. We have CCTV in the grounds. And there, standing by the front gate of the manor, there were two people uh, dressed in Victorian outfits, uh, a very tall man and a much shorter woman. And I called her over, and we're looking at these two. We can make out exactly what they're wearing. And they were so clear, like two people posing for a Victorian photo. They went outside. There was nobody there. Went back in. They were still standing there. And they must have been there all for a good half hour, just standing there. But they were about a foot below the level of the, uh, of the, of the road. So they're more or less standing in midair. And... Um, the thing was, she said they disappeared after a while, but when she ran the tape back, there was nothing on it. So I just thought that was an interesting snicker. Wow, that's that's amazing. So you'd even gone out to check, there's no one there, you go back in and they're still there. Yeah. That's amazing. But the road is the road is kind of higher than the bit that there's a bank that comes down. And they were standing about a foot below the actual level of the road, essentially in mid-air, really. Uh, yeah, so interesting. Pretty compelling stuff there, really. I mean, you've got activity going on there in the middle of the day with more than one person witnessing it and seemingly unrelated to any of the recorded stories or anything like that. And with so many accounts of different things going on by members of staff or visitors, it does make you start to wonder what's going on at the manor. I want to return now to the story that first drew me to looking into the manor further. The tale of Kate Wallace and this secret room. The consensus seems to be that it's it's pretty much a local legend, maybe an amalgamation of several different stories that have been told over the centuries, and again, like so many folk tales, added to and embellished over the years, perhaps inspired by real people, and maybe inspired by some real events. The fact remains that there was some kind of blocked up or secret room. Whether there was a bed with a skeleton on it is hard to say. We know that there were families called Oakway living in the local area. The tricky bit is, at the time that the tale is set in the 17th century, the manor was a farmhouse by that point, and it would have been rented out and so there aren't any exact records of who was there. So in one sense, the idea that William Oakway might have been renting the manor is certainly plausible. As for the rest of it, I can believe that there may have been wrecking and smuggling going on. That seems completely believable to me. Some other elements of the story seem to kind of fall in line with lots of familiar folk tales, so I'm a little sceptical about some elements of the story. That still leaves us with the question of why there was this sealed up or blocked off room in the first place. Was it something to do with the smuggling and the wrecking that was going on, maybe hiding contraband, or was it something a lot darker, something to do with traumatic or tragic or even violent events that took place at the manor centuries ago? It's hard to say for certain. The manor runs paranormal nights where you can stay in the building overnight and explore it for yourself. 
and sometimes guest psychics and mediums have gone into that room and have picked up on something awful and something tragic that happened in there. And people talk all the time about there being a bad atmosphere in that space. So that only leaves us with more questions. Then there's the two girls that Leslie referred to as Ailey and Bella, who might also be potentially from different eras as well. There's lots of questions there. I have to wonder whether there might be some way of, of finding some records. I think given the amount of information, the amount of accounts and the sheer amount of stories surrounding one place, I don't think this is the last you've seen of the Pisky Trap relationship with Chambercombe Manor. Now I've started finding out more, I'm determined to go and visit the manor myself and perhaps interview people at the manor to try and get more information and see what else we can find out. I'm sure that the manor has a lot more secrets to reveal. So stay tuned because I'm sure at some point there'll be a follow-up episode. I'd like to thank Leslie and everyone at Chambercombe Manor and if you'd like more information you can check out the reading list for this series Thanks for listening. The Pisky Trap is presented by me, Keith Wallace, with music by Elizabeth Westcott and artwork by Caris Harrington.